Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me is an amazing special guest. He's a comedian. He hosts a bunch of amazing comedy shows for the Asian community. Uh, he's super wonderful. Give it up for Vong Show. How you doing, buddy? I'm fabulous. I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. Honestly, I've been wanting to have you on the show for so long. We finally made it happen, and we have made it happen on one of the busiest, if not the busiest (laughs) day in what feels like an NBA history. We're recording this on the evening of Thursday, February 10th, post-trade deadline, just going through everything that's happened today uh we're not going to have the chance to get into every single trade that happened because there was just too many we won't be able to cover it all in this episode but we'll cover all the major major moves Mm. uh as well as the raptors so we're going to do nba first and then raptors um and usually like i thought we were going to have time to talk about like all-star reserves and like Mm. the the (laughs) all-star draft is happening tonight yeah. No, we're just that is just going to have to all be for next week's episode. <laughs> so without, you know, further ado, you know, we might as well get into it. No point in bearing the lead here. Uh, James Harden for Ben <sighs> Simmons, the blockbuster. Wow. It finally happened. It finally <laughs> Finally happened. Um, The Nets also get Andre Drummond and Seth Curry in this trade. And uh, it's wild. I have so many thoughts, but Vong, I'll start with you. What are your initial thoughts on this trade? Well, I am shocked. I I didn't think this would happen until the offseason, but... The way I look at it is somehow Daryl Morey was right and he ended up getting James Harden for way less than he offered just last or I I, I mean, such a world. I don't even remember when when the last trade was for James Harden, but I guess it was like what a year and a half ago. And um, wow, just wow. Um, I I really want to see how James Harden works with. with Joel Embiid, who of course is having an MVP season. Um, like, I, I actually feel, it's funny, it's so many thoughts, I'm just jumping everywhere, but with James Harden, I actually think like the basketball gods are kind of gonna get him because I feel like he disrespected basketball by 
coming to training camp like fat a year and a half ago and then he had the hamstring injury because of that um because he decided to just go out partying and get fat to force his trade and then lo and behold he gets injured right before their playoff run last year and i guess he still has a hamstring i don't know if it's really a hamstring or if it's you know, he also has a hand strain, which sounds a lot like hamstring. So I'm very confused. So I don't know <laughs> if he's still, I don't know if he's still injured or if he was just, you know, quote unquote injured because he was trying to force his way out of, um, out of Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. That situation devolved so quickly. I thought, like, you know, it, it went from, you know, Kyrie being a bit of a circus um, to uh, to James Harden just wanting out, and within two weeks it was it it, it just happened. I'm just I'm I don't know, Catherine. I'm I'm in total shock. Um, look, I I'm with you. I did not actually think this deal was going to happen. I okay, I'm gonna put a little. I feel like every episode I have like a little conspiracy theory hat that I put on, <laughs> and I'm gonna put it on now off the top. There's something about this that is just so convenient and Mm. it almost makes me feel like Daryl Morey and James Harden knew this is how it was going to go down. I I don't know Mm. if that if that qualifies as some sort of tampering or what, but there's Mm -hmm. just something about it that is just too cute for me. (laughs) It's just too perfect and and I think like you know Daryl Morey like holding out holding out like you know in a way that is just so unprecedented like we've never yeah. seen a GM be like you're not gonna play then I don't care you know all these all this pressure from everywhere yeah. not giving a shit and then just being like in the you know final seconds getting this James Harden deal done. And then him, like you said, two weeks prior, oh, suddenly he's not happy in Brooklyn. Suddenly he has a hamstring. I'm not saying he doesn't have a hamstring, but, you know, it's just the way this all came together is just a little too cute for me. And I think there were absolutely behind-the-scenes conversations that we are not privy to. And I think Daryl Morey must have known that he could pull this yeah. off to be able to pull off everything, the chaos that has existed around the 76ers uh, since, yeah. let's say, since training camp. Yeah, like, I don't think that James Harden just magically decided he needed to leave right this instant. I think, you know, I, I do think there was some tampering for sure. I I feel like he started to act out, and, you know, obviously that game where he played 40 minutes and scored four points. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I feel like all of that happened after he talked to uh, Daryl Morey. Now, I, I don't think it was like, you know, a year and a half in the planning. I, I no, do think... maybe not that long, but I mean, they've been in trade rumors with each other for a year and a half. Right, like since James Harden wanted out of Houston, these two have been linked. I'm telling you, ESPN has been working on the 30 for 30 in real time. (laughs) Okay, there's no way that there isn't some sort of assistant editor that's been assigned to this story in real time, packaging this together. These two are going to be linked in an NBA historical way for a long time. It's just, it's one of those trades. Yeah, I think, 
I don't know. It's 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 just so shocking. And with James Harden, oh my goodness. Honestly, in some ways, as much as I'm not a huge Harden fan, um, I you know, some ways I can't blame him. Like I feel like with the the whole Kyrie circus, like it's just you know, like oh I don't know, man. Like I might want to ask out of there too. But then to me, it makes Kevin Durant look real bad. Like yo, KD, couldn't you have talked to Harden? Like I don't I don't think the GM could have done anything or Steve Nash. This is like KD has to like lock down his team and be like, yo, dude, you ain't doing this to me. Um, yeah, but. you're you're absolutely right, and that's even more reason why I, there was a Daryl Morey pun in there, and I and I missed the opportunity, but, <laughs> but that's even more so why I think that this has some uh, deep rooted. I don't want to say conspiracy theory because I'm really not that kind of person, but like there's more going on in this scenario. It, that's what I mean when I say like it's too cute. Like yeah. I think. You know, uh, sure, like James Harden wouldn't wasn't happy. I wouldn't be happy with the Kyrie Irving situation either. But you don't just leave playing with Kevin Durant. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I just think like, yeah, there's just so much more under the surface of it all, as well as in, um, you were mentioning this. This big three, so-called big three, only played a total of 16 games together. Mm. It is the shortest big three in NBA history. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever be beat. Like no. 16 games. And then you're no. like, oh, this isn't working. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, they showed f- flashes in those 16 games. That was, you know, they look super happy for like half of them. Like, and it just, <laughs> it just fell apart. It's like, a, it's like a couple that elopes in Vegas and then gets annulled. You're like, they seem happy for the first week. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, this is going to be so mean because like, you know, but whatever, when, when I don't like somebody, I just really like dig into it. But like, I actually don't like Harden, Kyrie or Durant. I'm a huge LeBron fan. So you could probably see where the Kyrie and, uh, and Katie hate comes from. But like Harden, I just, I've always hated him for like his weird, crazy foul, um, um, trying to draw fouls and stuff. It's just so obnoxious, but Honestly, I'm I'm just kind of loving this this whole thing. It was just so, <laughs> it's just so. Honestly, like 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 y'all can totally ask me, boyfriend. Like when Kyrie was like when the Nets said Kyrie couldn't play this year because they didn't want any like um, part time players. I was so happy, like way happier than an adult man needs to be over somebody else's misery, but. <laughs> I was just so happy because, like, what LeBron had to put up with Kyrie and then, you know, what Katie, you know, talking about karma, if anybody needs karma more than James Harden, it's Katie for what he's done to basketball for the past five years. Wow. Um, wow. You know, he, he, if Kyrie is his karma, <laughs> then uh, he, uh, he got everything that, 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 that he deserved. Like, it's just... You know what? Everything's everybody that I want bad things to happen to has been happening because like the other this is totally, you know, outside of it, but the other person that I was like, you know what, I need some bad luck was like Kawhi because he left us and you know, <laughs> thank you for the championship. 
by, you know, the following year when everybody basically said, you know, Kawhi Leonard dragged a bunch of scrubs to a championship, but then, uh, you know, we ended up being just as good as his new team without him. I was, I was, you know, so honestly, everything's going great. Unfortunately, obviously, I'm a LeBron fan, so the Lakers part isn't going great. But, you know, the Raptors are going great. And at least if LeBron is having a bad year, everybody else they hate is um, also having a bad year. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know people that always say. A small clap, but there was a lot <laughs> happening there. I feel like we got out a lot emotionally. Yes. <laughs> it felt borderline therapeutic. Um, but that was great. <laughs> that was great. I mean, there's so much I could say there about Kevin Durant, about LeBron James, about the Lakers. But we'll try and keep it on topic a little bit. But I but I do love a tangent. So definitely not bad at it. I think just I love the idea of just that Kevin Durant deserves bad karma for all he's done to the NBA for the last five years. Uh, oh, that's going to stay with me for a while. That is so great. Um, I mean, as far as this trade goes, I mean, I, I do think I actually, you know, all the chaos and the circus aside, mm-hmm. I do think this is a good trade probably mm-hmm. for both teams. It'll be mm-hmm. a long time before we truly know who quote unquote won the trade. But I think yeah. in the short term, this is a good move for both teams. Like I think Ben Simmons yeah. needs to be in a situation where he doesn't have to be relied on offensively. And if that team is healthy, then he will not have to be relied on offensively. He can probably, I mean, Seth Curry's there, so he'll run the point, but I think Ben Simmons should run the point honestly. Mm-hmm. And then, and defend. I don't think, he should honestly play like Marcus Saul with the Raptors. Like, don't even, mm-hmm. don't even look at the basket. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> just like, like you could have your back to the basket every play, and it's fine. We'll work yeah. around it. Yeah, I think honestly, I, I actually like this better for Brooklyn than I do for um, than I do for Philadelphia. Um, but I, I do think it could work out for both teams. But for Brooklyn, for sure, I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan. Obviously, maybe less so over the past year. But in general, I was really hyped about him coming in. I think he brings a lot to the table. You know, obviously, I haven't loved the fact that he was unwilling to shoot. But, you know, having seen Russell Westbrook lately, I'm like, you know, maybe it's better if people who can't shoot don't shoot. Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe Ben Simmons was right all along. And I think this is honestly the perfect situation for Ben Simmons. Like, I, yeah. I always felt like either Brooklyn or Golden State. But Golden State, they already have Draymond Green. Here, they don't have anybody in his way. The only backup center is Andre Drummond. So he could basically play, you know, point center um, for this team. And, you know, because they, they haven't really been using centers all year anyway. Um, and I think that's, un- like... I think it's going to be unstoppable um, outside of, you know, you know, karma Kyrie ruining everything by not being able to play. Like, well, you know. this is why this is why the Seth Curry addition to this trade is mm-hmm. so significant, because he'll be able to help run the offense in Brooklyn when Kyrie isn't there. Although I do think, you know, the other kernel to this is I think the Nets are banking on the on the state of new york lifting these restrictions Mm. as time goes on because you know the way this pandemic has gone it's like as the weather gets nicer 
There's yep. just less restrictions. That's how it's been on the East Coast. And mm-hmm. so I think they're thinking that come playoff time, Kyrie is going to be able to play games in Brooklyn. But in the meantime, or as an insurance policy, if that's not the case, then at least they have a point guard of Seth Curry's caliber, which is better than nothing, mm-hmm. um, helping them at least facilitate the offense a bit there. So I, I think yeah. that that's a significant part of this trade. Yeah, and if they if they make it to the finals and play probably Golden State, like Seth Curry has done really well against his brother. Like he really, really gets mm. up for those games. He's like he's playing like his life depended on it. Every single time he, he plays um he plays um Steph, he like it's like it's a battle. And you know, Steph usually wins the battle, but it's like close enough versus where it should be. Um that it, it it makes it it makes it real interesting. Yeah, and now like he's not gonna have his father in law as his coach. <laughs> yeah. Which could be huge. I don't know if that's a factor or not, but that <laughs> it what a strange dynamic. I mean, that whole thing is just I mean, not that we have to dive into it here, but <laughs> where else are we going to? You know what I mean? God, it's so Freudian that relationship <laughs> that that Doc Rivers' daughter mm-hmm. marries seth curry i just i can't get over it anyway it's fine um yeah like okay here's okay you're right in terms of the nets winning this trade but my counter argument for it being a good trade on equal fronts is the 76ers in my mind were desperate to move on from this situation Mm -hmm. they were desperate to move on from this situation and if if Daryl Morey's ego got in the way of wa- wasting a year of Embiid's prime, I'm just going to call it that. Yeah. I'm going to use these harsh words because that's how strongly I feel about it. It would have been so hard to honestly to justify to the fan base mm-hmm. that we're just going to let Simmons sit for a whole year. They were not going to get a player better than James Harden mm-hmm. for this. So I think from that perspective, you got to consider it a bit of a win for the Sixers because, frankly, they were desperate and they got a, a very, very great player out of it. I think, you know, I do think the Sixers are extremely fragile, though. You know, like Embiid is very injury prone. Harden in recently has become more injury prone mm-hmm. and they don't have a ton of depth beyond those guys i mean like i'm shocked danny green is still on this team i thought they were going to try and move on from him Mm. like it's just like those two have to be healthy and knowing how to play together you know for the entire playoffs and it's just there's still a lot of big ifs around this team and so i'm not completely sold on them but mm-hmm. it's something they had to do. They weren't going to get anything better. Um, I do think that Maury and Harden were talking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand by that until I hear otherwise. And yeah, I, I think you, you have to consider it a, a win for them because they, they almost got absolutely nothing for Simmons this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's no way they could have, you know, stood pat and not done something on, 
MB, MVP season, a very likely MVP season. And they were just heading for a, you know, a first round, second round knockout. You know, you just can't, you know, like, you know, big men in, in the, in the playoffs is it's, it's not like you can play a big man, like 48 minutes, like, you know, what, what Katie did last year or what LeBron's done in the past. I don't think you could do that with somebody who's like seven foot two. It just doesn't work. And um, I just don't think Philadelphia had enough to really give it a shot. And with this year, everything's really wide open. I, I, I do agree with you. They, they did have to make this trade, and it's the best trade they could have made. So I think you're definitely right there. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I just really want to – if anything, it just makes it really interesting. I have no idea what's going to happen between Harden and Embiid. I do think that there's a chance this could completely blow up. Um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's what makes it interesting because without this, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. Like, you know, as a Raptors fan, I was like, let's get, like, before this trade, I was like, yes, let's get the Sixers in the first round or let's get, you know what I mean? Like I, I was not scared of the Sixers with Embiid alone. Like I just wasn't. No, I wasn't either. And when you really look back at it, that was the best iteration of that team because yeah. they had Butler and he was massive. And the fact that they didn't keep Butler is just so crazy to me. But I think Butler wasn't happy there because he didn't feel like the other players had enough competitive drive, which frankly says a lot. Like, (laughs) I'd be looking at Butler being like, can you stay and just help them have that drive? Because we need you. Um, But in any case, yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier we were talking about karma. Mm -hmm. I think there's bad karma on both sides all around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm not emotionally attached to either of these teams. But when you really think about it, karma needs to bite both these teams. Look, honestly, Mm -hmm. I think I like Embiid individually. I do. But Mm -hmm. everything else about the Sixers rubs me the wrong way. Everything about the Nets rubs me the wrong way. Um, You know, the if the Sixers win, I mean, I've said it before, it would be so bad for the league. Because they're proving that tanking works. And Mm -hmm. I don't believe in tanking to the degree that they did. And I I just, I would hate to see that rewarded. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even everything with the Nets, like, I don't want to see that necessarily rewarded either. Um, You know, if they didn't face off in the playoffs, what a tragedy. That would be right. Like, I mean, I tweeted like these two got to face off in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Like it just has to happen. If it didn't happen, it would be the equivalent of like Dwight Howard's Orlando Magic making the finals against the Lakers instead of LeBron James and the Cavs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. would be it would be on that level of disappointing if we don't see this matchup in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I'm super curious to see Ben Simmons. I think. Um, I think he's highly overrated as a mm. player. I, I think he's criminally overrated throughout uh, the history of his playing career. Maybe I will be wrong. I do think he is in a better environment to thrive just based on the way he plays. But we'll see. These two teams match up again March 10th, and it is in Philadelphia. Mm. Oh, so wow. mark, mark your calendars. It's the last Oof. meeting regular season meeting between the two teams it's in philly 
uh, call the National Guard, book some people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, look the overtime I... now. You have the dates, Philly. You can't mess this up. Get, get, I don't know how it works in America. Get the army, you know? <laughs> I You're gonna need a lot of security for this one. No, uh, you can't do any. I maybe they they don't do glass bottles, but obviously no bottles. Maybe even no plastic bottles. <laughs> Honestly, they might have to just say straight up no food this game because it's all gonna end up on the court. Like all of it, all of it will end up on the court. I feel like you know this that game March ten will show me a lot about Ben Simmons because I feel like eighty percent Ben Simmons ain't playing. I don't. Oh. I don't. Will it happen? I don't know. I don't see it. Okay, you're 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 onto something here, and I like it. <laughs> I like I I like what you're saying, but I I'm not a Ben Simmons sympathizer, but mm. he should play that game because he needs to get it over with. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he needs to get it over with. If they face each other in the playoffs. And like, you know, whether it's game one or game three ends up being your first encounter back to with that fan base, it'll be so much worse. No, that's that's definitely true. I think he should play it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But but you're on to yeah. something there. He might he might decide not to. But I think he has to face them eventually. And he's still mm. in the Eastern Conference. If he was on the Western Conference, then I'd be like, yeah, don't go to Philly again. Mm-hmm. But you're in the East, so it's like it's more games. I don't know. I think he I think the playoff probability between these two teams is so high that I think he ha- he really should face that game. Oh my goodness. I if And I, I don't know how I feel about watching it cuz it's like it's <laughs> one of those th- it's one of those things where I'm just like Sure, like, I'm curious. Yes, I'm going to tune in, but I feel like it's going to be so vicious that it won't even be fun. Mm. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing and, like, an underreported part of this is that that Ben Simmons opted in to get vaccinated to make this trade happen. So he had been unvaccinated for the longest time. And so once this started to ramp up, um, to make sure he could get traded. He got vaccinated. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see how he feels about Kyrie because he had to make, like, a similar decision. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. That's an excellent point. I didn't I didn't actually know that. I just heard that he was vaccinated, but I didn't know that he was holding out um, this long. I don't I, – I, who knows? I mean, maybe – it's possible that he's just not as political as Kyrie. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. I really don't know a lot about him as a person outside of basketball. And, you know, in terms of his mental health, people have debated it. I, I'm not going to say he's lying about that because it's just not... <laughs> Yeah. Unless I have some sort of evidence, I, I'm just not going to go there. I just don't think that's right. Yeah. Um, so, but hopefully, you know, this fresh start, maybe he just decided like a fresh start was worth it for him. However, he feels about the vaccine. Um, yeah. But you're right. Like, I wonder if that will be um, a point of tension. I'm not sure. 
But I think yeah. the, the Nets are doing everything they can to get Kyrie to just play a real 180 from their stance at the start of the season. Yeah, no, I, I was really surprised when they uh, when they backed off of their stance. But, you know, situations change. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it, it definitely makes sense with how many players they were missing due to COVID and stuff to get everybody available playing. But, uh, yeah, well, this makes Brooklyn extremely interesting. And then, obviously, I want to see how uh, how Katie comes back from yet another injury. Um mm-hmm. But so far, every time he's come back from injury, he's been he's been KD. So you know, it probably won't be any different this time. But yeah, uh, I, I don't we'll know. See. I don't know what in the sports science magic potion Kevin Durant has, but he has it and it works. And mm-hmm. uh, happy for him from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be extremely intriguing. The level of intrigue that this gives. The Eastern Conference is absolutely wild. Um, with that, we spent literally almost half an hour on it. <laughs> but it is such a massive story. Oh. Um, there's a couple other trades we'll talk about before we get into the Raptors trading for Thaddeus Young. Um, this happened a couple days ago, but it's very significant. We haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show yet. And that's the Portland Trailblazers and mm. the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, it was a seven-player deal, uh, which ended up with the Pelicans getting C.J. McCollum, uh, and then as well as Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell. Um, the Trailblazers ended up getting uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Thomas Sadoransky, and a player named Didi Luzada, who I can't say I know a lot about, but they ended up flipping those players to Utah today. So uh, I'll start with this. I mean, first of all, you know, I I think this really marks the end of an era in Portland, Um, even though Dame Lillard is still technically there. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, I think they're going to finally deal with him in the off season. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a sad day for Portland fans. They really uh, are not getting much back in return at all. They do still have Josh Hart, I believe, who's a, a decent rotational player. But clearly they're in rebuild mode right now. Um, you know, a lot of people have been saying this, but I agree. I do think this was probably two years too late on their part. Um, people have been screaming to make this trade for so long. They finally did it. I think one of the more intriguing parts of this is that the Pelicans are really going for it this year, even mm-hmm. though Zion is still injured. And, I, and I'm really fascinated by the idea of the Pelicans uh, going all out to play for the play-in. That is their best case scenario <laughs> right now based on their record. And my, okay, another conspiracy theory hat moment for me I think David Griffin is doing this to save his job. I think if the Pelicans don't make the play in, it's his job. And I think that's why he's making these moves with or without Zion being healthy this season, because it's really odd that, that a team would go all out for not that high of a ceiling, at least for this season. 
You know, I am down with that line of thinking. I do think David Griffin is fighting for his job. You know, anytime we've seen a superstar and a GM or coach fight, the superstar usually wins. And Mm -hmm. it is no secret. It's I can't even call it an open secret because it's not even a secret. It's as open um, that those two hate each other and you can't. You, you can't have the GM and the superstar actively fighting, you know, in open media and, you know, the superstar's family getting in on it. It's just way too much drama for, for a city like New Orleans. Um, <laughs> now, with CJ McCollum going there, it's interesting because I think CJ completely proved he is not good enough to be the number two Um but, you know, they have Zion when he comes back and they have Brandon Ingram. Can he be a number three? I think that that is an interesting question. Um, my worry, though, is with New Orleans, they've really sucked on defense since Zion's been there. And that includes Zion, which is strange because Zion was actually pretty good on defense um, in college. Um, but they've been like near the bottom of the league in defense for like almost the entire time that Zion's been there. And uh, I feel like the league has given the Pelicans every advantage mm-hmm. to have a good past three years. Like they keep scheduling them on Christmas, keep scheduling them, you know, first game of the year. If there's a lot of ways where you could say that the play in tournament and the bubble, the way it was designed, was oh, completely made percent. for Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. Like literally, the league has wanted them to succeed. Um, and uh, they still, they're still totally awful, um, even though uh, they're being given every advantage. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what's happening with Zion. I don't know what's, what's going on with this team. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I feel like David Griffin sort of signed, signed his, his death warrant when he hired Stan Van Gundy, of all people, and then <laughs> quickly replaced him. <laughs> and now... You know, like of all the names where I feel like coaching Zion Williamson is something that people would want to do and the best you could get was standing. I don't know. At that point, I think that's when Zion lost all faith in him and probably rightfully so. And then, um, you know, here we are. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And on, on the Blazer side, I would feel better about it for them if they actually were rebuilding. But they're saying, quote unquote, saying that they're reloading not rebuilding because now they have enough cap space to quote unquote sign two max players in the off season and that's their plan because they wiped out 70 million dollars and i was like what two max players is damian lillard hey you know maybe this is just their way of telling damian lillard listen you got to go recruit and if you don't then it's not our fault we we got the cap space um i because yeah maybe because with with portland the other the other unreported like underreported thing too is like this summer damian lillard even though i think he's still got like two maybe three years left on his contract he is eligible for uh for a max extension of another two years that would take him into like his like um a 36 year old age at like 50 something million almost up to 60 million and um, a lot of people were thinking that portland does not want to pay him that like almost 60 million when he's 36 
Um, and he was basically saying this, this was reported back in December. He was basically saying like, no, I'm Damian Lillard. You need to give me that extension like now, even though I have two years left on my contract. So I don't know one way or another, it's going to get solved this summer because if they don't offer him that extension, then I feel like they have to trade him. Well, maybe they're giving him, maybe they clear that cap space just for Lillard. <laughs> I mean, Nur- Nurkic is also an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, which is interesting. I don't think he stays. Um, yeah, th- the weird thing about Portland not being able to attract free agents is that it's not a terrible city. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's a nice, like, it's a nice place. It's not like a shithole of a town you know what i mean it's not even like that particularly cold you know it's on the west coast like i don't know like it's just it feels weird to me that portland wouldn't be able to attract a free agent especially when they have a player like lillard i Mm -hmm. i think you know once they got rid of neil o'shea after that whole controversy Mm. i felt the writing was on the wall that they were going to have a rebuild because usually once you have a new front office they want it to be their people in this that and the other so i wasn't entirely surprised although i was kind of like i guess a little sad for blazers fans that they didn't get a lot in return because this could have been a better retooling situation Mm -hmm. than than it is but I mean, they're at least tanking for the rest of this season, which I think is smart. But I think yeah. they're going to have a very interesting off season. Yeah, this Blazers team. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, they should be able to attract people. It's it's the headquarter of Nike. It's also it's it's a strangely diverse city. Most people don't know this, but it's like the second highest uh, percentage of of LGBTQ population in America. Um, behind San Francisco, which I was not aware of until recently. Um, so it's, it's a nice city. And, you know, any city with the gays, there's going to be lots of partying and stuff. So, um, listen, gays do not go to a boring city. So that tells me all I need to know about <laughs> Portland. It's It's got to have some type of nightlife. What, what we're really saying is they need a WNBA team. That's what we're really saying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I hear you. I just, uh, yeah all the more reason why it's like why portland haven't you been able to recruit anybody like you think a lot of people would want to play with damian lillard no matter where he was but you know it it is what it is it is the end whether they accept it or not it would be kind of tragic to roll out next year with lillard and significantly no disrespect worse role players than what they had that just doesn't make sense so i I think they're going to work on an off-season deal i think damian lillard will be involved in those conversations i think it'll be something that he wants that will hopefully suit both parties but i do think that that's kind of where this is headed now, one thing i'm wondering about portland and specifically about damian lillard is he, he he was having like an atrociously awful year shooting mm. um scoring this is his worst year probably since his rookie year and what i'm trying to figure out is is it because the injury you know he he is out for the season after having surgery and shutting down or is he just you know he's on the wrong side of 30 um is 
and he's he's not the biggest player in the world. We have seen people sort of slow down. I'm I'm not sure I would be building around Dame Lillard. I I don't know if this was a one year blip or if this is the new you know Dame Lillard who you know I don't know. I mean, that's also part of it, right? I mean, that's another reason why I think Portland needs to move on. You're right in terms of like it definitely doesn't help his trade value and he does have such a large contract. Like who is going to take him on? I, I don't know. I, I do think that somebody would take a gamble depending. Mm-hmm. I th- I don't know who, like it's not coming to mind, but I do think if they put it out there, okay, like this is happening, we're going to trade Damian Lillard. Someone will bite. Someone will still bite. I think he's just, his reputation's too great that he's earned it. Again, I don't know who, but I, it, yeah, it could be, you know, the the prime Damian Lillard years could be over for sure. Um, okay, let's move. Sorry, I think my computer <laughs> froze for a second oh. there. It's all good. Um, okay, let's move on. I got to talk about the Pacers Kings. Oh, so Lord. this was also another, oh, my God, deal that happened. Uh, not today. I guess it happened yesterday. So the Indiana Pacers from the Sacramento Kings get Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson, and the Sacramento Kings get Demata Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday and a 2027 second round pick. Mm. Now, a lot of people are having a hard time making sense of this trade. Why would you trade? Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, it would be like the Raptors trading Scotty Barnes. Um, I tried. We actually delayed the recording of this podcast. I tried to find a take that, oh, this is why Sacramento would do this. I did not find one. <laughs> I was trying to understand this from their perspective. I absolutely don't. Tyrese Halliburton is only 21 years old. He has a lot of promise. Sacramento has been in a rebuilding phase for a really long time. Frankly, ever since they got rid of uh, DeMarcus Cousins, which was in 2017. Um, I saw a, a Kings fan online saying, burn it down which made me laugh so hard because I'm like, it's been burnt. Like that's like looking at a, like it, that's a five year tire fire, like a five year straight tire fire. And then being like, you know what? I think we should burn this down. (laughs) Like I just don't understand this from the King's perspective at all. Vong, do you have anything to say for them? I think, you know, obviously I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. This was a horrible trade for the Kings. And I think almost everybody in the NBA was shocked by it, including the other GMs who felt like, wow, we could have beaten that trade offer. Um, so they didn't even do their due diligence to get the best return on Tyrese Halliburton because they were so adamant that he was untouchable um, when um, when Philadelphia uh, wanted to trade Ben Simmons for him, that everybody just assumed that just meant he was untouchable flat out. But apparently, untouchable means you know unless you got some bonus, <laughs> because I don't know maybe okay, okay here here's a take Portland legend Arvidas Sabonis 
you know, now, oh no, wait, that's not even Portland, that's Sacramento. I'm getting so confused. There's so many trades, but I was like, Vladi Divac. Oh yes, Vladi Divac. No, I was trying to make this thing. I'm so confused with this whole trade that I'm not even thinking clearly because I was like, oh, you know, (laughs) maybe maybe his his dad played for them and now they're trying to relive it. Maybe it's a good PR move, but no, I, I got the teams wrong. But, um. One thing I can say is okay. Listen, they did have three. That would young actually guards. make some sense, though. <laughs> yeah, but uh, un- unfortunately, um, yeah, it, it it just really doesn't. But the only thing I can think of is okay. So they have three young guards. You know, three great young guards. You know, De'Aaron Fox, um, uh, Davion Mitchell, and Tyrese Halliburton. Like clearly, I feel like they were trying to move Fox because. They they had made the decision that those three, you know, though they could coexist, it would take too much of, I don't know, it's unbalanced, right? They want, like, mm-hmm. two young prospect guards instead of three, you know. When they have to eventually pay them all, they'd rather have somebody who's, like, a forward. Um, so I get that. Now they are more balanced. Now they have, like, two young um, guards and a forward, which does balance it out. And I think maybe... They just weren't getting enough offers for De'Aaron Fox that they're like, okay, if we want any type of return, we're going to have to move Halliburton. But even if that's your decision, like, do your due diligence. Like, you could have gone more than Sabonis if you wanted, like, a forward. Um, And, you know, I actually think that Sabonis is pretty good, two-time All-Star, whatever. But, like, Tyrese Halliburton, it's like what you're saying with with the Raptors and, um, and Scotty Barnes. It's like, it would have to be something astronomical and Sabonis I like him you know I I was hoping that the Raptors would trade for him like but you know wow wow Halliburton yeah I mean look Sabonis is a good player but he isn't how can I put this we know that he isn't a franchise player and with Halliburton there is still potential that he could be a franchise player. And when you look at where the Kings are at, it's like, why are you trading away such potential for someone, you know, isn't actually a a franchise guy. Like, I don't know if it's because like you said, Sabonis is a two-time all-star, but let's be real. He's a two-time Eastern conference (laughs) all-star, which is not the same you know like i don't know like i I really don't think whoever is running the kings actually truly knows basketball these are not basketball moves like this is not even even with all the draft picks it's like year after year it's a guard like why are you constantly drafting guards like it it's just these are not basketball moves sabonis is an eastern conference only all-star and it, it just it is baffling and you know i think it says a lot about sports it says a lot about about men frankly that people <laughs> even still go to king's games like i don't even know how people still go to these games like like if the raptors were in a state like that for five oh. years in a row like i'd be out i would be out i would be i i would i would follow the nba i would maybe just kind of keep a little bit of an eye on what was going on but no way am i tuning into every game this that and the other like i i just no, you don't deserve my money at that point 
Yeah, it's such a crazy comparison, too, because, like, right now the Raptors are in a post-championship rebuild. Like, this is our, like, worst years that we have to, quote-unquote, suffer through. And it's a great year still. Like, I couldn't yeah. imagine, like, if this is our suffering, you know, this is, I I'm okay with it. It's still exciting. We're reloading. And I like our young players. If it was just, like, I don't know... I don't know. You know, I'll be totally honest, though. Like, I know a lot of the, you know, basketball geeks, the numbers people really love Halliburton. I, I can't say because he's on the Kings. I haven't really seen him. I looked up some of his numbers. They're very promising. You know, I think number two in the league for percentage in um, of uh, of of um, of um, unassisted three pointers, which is a really huge thing as a primary ball handler because, you know, as we've seen with Steph Curry and with, with, uh, with Van Vliet, who I think is Van Vliet's also top five in that category. It just really spaces the floor because if your lead ball handler, um, you know, has such a high percentage just off the dribble on threes, like he, it's, it's really hard um, to, to guard that team. Um, but I can't say I've personally seen a lot of his games, but I will say the other thing too is like, he actually wanted to be in Sacramento somehow. I don't know why. I don't know if he's from there. But there's there was something that I remember during the draft, people said part of the reason why he fell is that he might have tanked some of his workouts because he wanted to go to Sacramento so bad, which oh, wow. is strangely shocking. And since he's been in Sacramento, he keeps talking about he wants to be part of the rebuild. He's in here for the long haul. So you've got this like... Like, like you said, Catherine, like this tire fire of a franchise and you have this young potential franchise player who actually wants to be there. <laughs> and that's the one you, I don't understand. I don't know. It honestly sounds like he has a bit of a savior complex and <laughs> the thing he wanted to save uh, was not down f for being saved. You know, like has <laughs> that kind of a dynamic to it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sad for Sacramento. I mean, I I'm going to be honest. Like, I haven't tuned into a ton of their games. Um, mm. As far as I'm concerned, they have not been relevant since the Chris Webber years. And, you know, like when you look at franchises that like, really haven't been able to do well or get anything off the ground in a long time. Sacramento, it might be the worst. Because, I mean, even the Timberwolves have had flashes yeah. of hope. This year is going, you know, better than a lot of other years have. They have had um, small moments in the playoffs. Same with the yeah. Wizards. Like, a lot of these teams and, 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 and the Kings, it's just like, I just don't even know what to say. No, you know, when you talk about karma, if there's one team that I actually would wish would get some good luck, strangely, it'd be the Sacramento Kings because not to get too off topic, but like I was a huge fan also of, of the of the Chris Webber years, um, Mike Bibby, all that stuff. And that year where they to me, they're going to win the championship. And in that fourth quarter where they got so screwed by the refs that I literally told everybody I was watching the game with that these refs have been paid off. And nobody believed me. And then what was it like 15 <laughs> years later? Guess what? The ref for that game is the one that got kicked out of the league for being dirty. And I was like, anybody who watched um, that game knows, knows what happened. So yeah. that team deserves some luck because they deserved a championship. 
You know, it's so true. People do not revisit that game enough from the point of view of a Kings fan. Mm. Because I bet Kings fans have had to defend the shit out of that playoff series and out of that team for so long. And then they haven't had anything else. Oh, that's got to be hard. I think the Lakers had something like 17 free throws in one quarter because they were down by double digits. And you know, I don't want to revisit the whole thing, but I think it was just so sad. And then Chris Webber was denied like the Hall of Fame in like what his first four attempts or some shit where he should have been a first ballot. The whole thing's ridiculous. Please, King, stop doing this to yourself. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all deserve some good luck, but you aren't getting it. And this one's also affected. <laughs> so... <laughs> When you when you already have bad luck and then you're self-inflicting more, it's it's not going to work out for you. Yeah, well, that's very well said. Um, that is very well said. And maybe one day someone will work that someone will have a savior complex who wants a front office job that has actually yeah. watched basketball <laughs> for the last twenty years and uh, knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, okay, there's one last thing that I feel like we got to mention before we get into the Raptors. Um, the Washington Wizards, uh, they've got Porzingis. Um, they've lost Harrell. He goes to the Hornets. Um, Bradley Beal has had season ending in uh, season ending surgery. And uh, he is actually a free agent at the end of this year, but he has a player mm. option. And so that changes that dynamic. It does look like they are tanking for the remainder of this year. But what is going on with this team? I have no idea. They must be really, really confident that Bradley Beal isn't going to sign somewhere else this summer. Or that Mm. he's guaranteed. Because I don't know how you don't move off of Bradley Beal without a a guarantee. Because just imagine if Bradley Beal walks. Like, wow. I, I don't understand. Unless... They just think, you know, Supermax, that is a lot of money. Bradley Beal's not one of those, like, you know, he's great. He's a superstar, but he's not like, you know, a KD LeBron where you know you're never going to regret the super duper max, you know? So maybe, maybe they just feel like it's so much money he's never going to walk away. But, you know, Porzingis, Beal, okay. And you know what? I will give him credit. They got off of that John Wall contract mm-hmm. by somehow, you know, they really turned that into assets. <laughs> First yeah, they, they got off the John Wall contract and then they got off the Westbrook contract. Mm-hmm. And instead of having to give up a whole bunch of stuff, they they fleeced the Lakers <laughs> into giving them stuff for mm-hmm. taking. So I feel like they're not totally incompetent. And, you know, you know, Montrez Harrell, apparently he was a, he's having more issues in the locker room for a third straight team. So I don't think that's like a huge loss. Yeah, he's been unplayable in the playoffs for his last two teams as well. So I think, you know, getting any value from is 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 not bad at all. Um, I don't know. And I, I actually like Porzingis. He's another person that I, I was hoping that, um, that the Raptors would go after. Um, so... I don't hate it. The only thing I hate for them is, you know, you're doing all this stuff. You better be sure Bradley Beal is opting in or re-signing. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess like I I'm so confused because I'm like, why do you want Bradley Beal to opt in and sign this deal? Right? Yeah. Like you've tried to build a real team around this guy for a long time. And it hasn't worked out X, Y, and Z, you know, many reasons why it hasn't worked out. I, I wouldn't say it's any one person's fault, but as great as Bradley Beal is, I just don't think you're going to build a team around him. Like they've had a lot of opportunities. They've had a lot of um, assets to, to move around. I, I just think like, I'm just not convinced like that to me, this situation is similar to the Portland trail blazers situation, but not nearly as tragic as at least the blazers had some playoff success. Mm -hmm. Like I, to me, the blazers, it's like, it's sad that it's, it's being torn down and I'll think fondly of that team. The way I think fondly of like the Memphis Grizzlies when they had Mm -hmm. Zebo and Gasol and stuff like that. Like I wouldn't call it a failure even though they yeah. didn't win a championship. But with the Wizards, you know, mm. since the since the year they swept the Raptors, which mm. is a moment in time I, I really do like to forget, they have not had any real success at all. And it, it's just, it is time. It is time. And... I could see Bradley Beal opting into this player option for the money and just forcing this team to be stuck in, in a mediocre situation for longer. Like I, I just, I don't see a real way out of it for them, but it's weird. And I felt like it was worth mentioning. It's confusing. They're definitely tanking for the rest of this season, which I think is smart. And, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of this trade deadline was people deciding, you know, from the Harden Simmons situation aside, was a lot of people coming to the realization that they are not a contender this year and that they shouldn't try. Mm-hmm. That is that is my overall general take. Yeah, no, you know, just just a small note on the other side of that deal. I, I think this is pretty good for for Dallas if um if Spencer Dinwiddie. And um and uh and mm. and and uh, Davis uh, Bertans. I forgot uh, and- to mention Dinwiddie and the whole him going to an NFT art gallery, whatever that even means, with Mark Cuban. <laughs> Have you heard this? No, no, I hadn't. They heard were that. socializing at an NFT art gallery. I okay. I, I'm not that old. I age myself every episode. And I don't even know what an NFT art gallery really is. <laughs> and when they say they're socializing, is this in person? Is it like, like you know, like you go to like those Zoom conferences and then they have those like breakout rooms. And then you, they like put you <laughs> virtually at a table with other people you've never met. And you're trying to pretend it isn't the most awkward thing in the world. Like, what is this? <laughs> I honestly, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't really understand the world of NFTs, which is funny because <laughs> I, I actually do have, actually have quite a bit of understanding on like, on like cryptocurrency and blockchain. But then, because that's when I sort of left my corporate job was when the technology was getting to that area, 
Um, mm-hmm. But then NFT sort of started after that. And it was using the t- same technology, but I was no longer being paid to um, to keep up to date on it. So I don't totally understand um, what what the hype is outside of creating like artificial scarcity in a digital world where scarcity usually doesn't exist because it's digital. Um, but outside of that, I don't, I think it's just crazy people throwing money at things that don't exist. Like, I don't know y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like anyway, it's just, yeah. So some of, some of the values these things are going for, it's just, I, I do think this is a good move for Dallas. They've been wanting to move off of Porzingis for a long time. I'm not yeah. high on him like you are. I would not want to see him on the Raptors at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, for personal reasons, but even just basketball reasons, like I don't want to, I, I don't want to bet on that guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I love betting on Fred. I'm not betting on Porzingis. I'm not rolling <laughs> the dice with that guy. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm just not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dinwiddie is a good I think will be good for Dallas I do think that move makes them better um I just like are there photos could photos <laughs> even exist is it a screenshot like I just don't even know if this is an in-person or virtual event and I don't know to the degree that they could even socialize at this event I want to know more about the event. <laughs> i'm so so obsessed with it um but yeah i completely forgot to to mention that so thank you von for bringing it up yeah yeah definitely it's and i'll 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 look up this nft gallery thing that that sounds wild (laughs) (laughs) amazing um okay now it's time finally Mm. for our raptors homer moment thank you for sticking with us on a on a longer than usual episode but again just so much to get into so we've got thaddeus young for goran Dragic plus a pick um how do you feel about this trade bong um i was you know it was sort of bad because you know i was i was up all night because there were like some breaking trade rumors. I know, listen, I take, I take basketball way too seriously. Um, <laughs> like I, there's times where the result of a game didn't go my way and I had to take two weeks off of work because I just couldn't deal. So oh my gosh, what was yeah. that game? Two weeks. It was, it's, let's, let's, was let's it the blowout against, was it the blowout against the wizards? Yeah, it was the, uh, I called game game. I was the, uh, yeah, yeah, it was the it was the you mentioned it before the when we when we got swept it was it was it was too much yeah. I was like no yeah. I'm, I'm I'm over it I'm taking vacation early I, I just can't I just can't deal with this right now <laughs> okay so anyway on that background so I was up all night because there was some breaking news there was a proposed trade with the Raptors and the Lakers and the Knicks and I was like okay good anything involving like the Knicks and currently the Lakers and Masai Ujiri, Masai totally going to fleece these people, right? And so we were going to get um, Nerlens Noel and Taylor Horton Tucker, who we had wanted last year um, for Kyle Lowry, and who's having a bad year with the Lakers. But Masai Ujiri is smart enough to know that Taylor Horton Tucker was shooting over 40% from three-point land this year until he like strained a ligament in his finger. So he's a distressed asset that I feel like Masai Ujiri was going to go in and steal, and Nerlens Noel also solves our um, big man problem. 
um, and is still fairly young. So with that in the back of my mind, when I saw that that fell through and instead we got Thaddeus Young, who I remember liking as a 76 or eight years ago and haven't heard from <laughs> since, I was like, what is going on? Thaddeus Young was in like buyout rumors last week. I was like, so we traded a first rounder to get somebody who is probably going to get bought out. I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and it's not that bad because we, we more swapped picks than just gave up a pick because we are getting a second rounder from Detroit and that's likely to be the first or second pick in the second round. So basically what we did was we moved down like 15 spots or whatever, or 10 spots. So it's not the end of the world, but I, I don't. I don't totally get it. I know we needed a big because Kem Birch has been injured all year and like, you know, Nick Nurse. And I know, I know you love Nick Nurse. I, I like Nick Nurse too. Uh, maybe, maybe not in the same way, but uh, Nick Nurse, <laughs> but like he's been playing our guys like 40 minutes. We have three of the top five most minutes played people in the entire league and I get it. Let's get another big, throw him out there, at least reduce some minutes. But I ain't giving up a first rounder to do that. I don't, I honestly do not understand this at all. Just like Goran Dragic's stupid contract run out and use, you know, use the cap space. I, I don't, I don't really understand. Um, yeah, I think uh, I completely hear you on, on all your points. I, I'm trying to justify it in my mind and i think what they're going for here and like you said yeah like throw him out there you know let's reduce some minutes we need another big except he's also six nine like everybody else (laughs) um i think what this is for is actually to have hopefully a veteran presence a mentorship like presence for precious achua that is what I think this is about. I could be wrong, but that's what I think this is about. I think you know, we have such a short rotation right now. I mean, it's six, seven players at best. We really need an eight-man rotation to be able to really thrive in a, in a playoff series. And right now we're the sixth seed. So I think they're looking at that being like, mm-hmm. we're going to need more than a six-man rotation. And when the game is on the line and it's a playoffs, do we want Precious Achua out there? I don't think we do. I think I think the the whole Lowry thing was never about Dragic. It was always about Precious. I think they still believe in him. I think he is taking maybe a little longer to develop than they had hoped. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what they felt his timeline was. I I still like Achua, but he is extremely inconsistent. And I think they're like, if we're going to be in a playoff series, we, we're going to need somebody at that spot that's more reliable. And I think that's what Thaddeus Young is going to give us, again, at least in the short term. And, you know, you talk about the picks. It's good that it's Detroit's second rounder, but at the same time, it's like so many teams have now decided they're going to bottom out this year that we actually don't know mm-hmm. if it will be the first pick in the second round or not either. That's the other risky thing about this. Like the wizards have decided to bottom out. The Pacers are deciding to bottom out. So we don't really know 
where that pick is going to end up. So it is risky, but I think this is them doubling down on their investment in Achua and giving us somebody in that five spot that's a little more consistent than Achua or even Boucher. But I think the fact that we've been able to improve our bench without giving up Boucher is good. I will, I will give it that. Yeah. I think, you know, I was, I was hoping we could package Dragic with something that we didn't need, like Malachi Flynn or something to get an asset back. I really didn't want to give up, um, uh, you know, a first rounder or Boucher or whatever. Cause I just feel like we're just growing. We're not on a timeline where we need to be giving up assets, especially because Masai Ujiri is such a good drafter that, you know, a mid to late first rounder in other people's hands might be nothing, but in Masai Ujiri's hands could be Pascal Siakam, you know, could be, you know, you, you never know what, what we're, what we're going to get. So that is kind of depressing. Um, Thaddeus Young, 33 years old, his, but six points a game, he's gone down in half since last year. He might've just like tipped over that, you know, NBA age where you're now useless, who knows. Um, but the thing that makes me not so sad is I doubted Masai Ujiri earlier this year. And when, when on draft night, when he picked Scotty Barnes is one of those things I didn't take two weeks off, but I certainly took like five days off. I was like despondent. <laughs> like I wouldn't leave the bed. My boyfriend had to go get me some ice cream and you know, clearly I was wrong and I was happy to be wrong. So I'm kind of questioning it a little bit, but I'm also like, you know what? It's Masai Ujiri, you know, outside of Bruno Caboclo, he hasn't really done anything wrong. So maybe, you know, the other thing too that got me sad was this included uh, Drew Eubanks or somebody. And I was like, I never heard of him, but maybe he's like this great prospect. Yeah. I was like, well, well, there you go. (laughs) So it was just for, it was a first rounder for Thaddeus Young. I don't, I don't understand. I I don't understand. I think, I think because we're in the sixth seed currently, I think they're looking at this rebuild situation and saying we are ahead of schedule, Yeah. but there's only so much we can do this year. And I think that's a part of it. I am surprised that we didn't end up trading Malachi Flynn. I will say I really thought for sure Malachi was going to get traded, um, but he's going to be sitting on our bench for the rest of the season and his dad's going to be bitching about it. (laughs) It'll end up on Reddit somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, it is confusing. Um, But I think, you know, I kept my expectations low for this team this year because it's a rebuild year because we have Scotty Barnes and we're really rebuilding around a rookie. So I was like, okay, let's see what happens. I'm going to stand by the fact that I do think that this is about having some other mentorship uh, for Chua, maybe even for Barnes. Um, I think it makes him the oldest player on the team. So it's like, we're still a really young team. Um, I think too, like the whole Ken Birch thing, like he's just been so in and out of the lineup that yeah. he's just another person in that, in that spot that you can't fully, fully rely on. So I, I think it was just, I don't know. 
when you have a, a player like Dragic and you're like, we got to do something, he isn't playing for us, you just don't have the same kind of leverage. Yeah. Right? And, and I think, you know, we just weren't able to get as much as we maybe would have liked because we're not negotiating from a point of real leverage when it comes to Dragic because of the situation being what it is. So I do still trust in Masai. Even if this ends up being a, a bad move, it's not significant enough mm-hmm. for me to, to stress about it too much. But yeah, it will be interesting to see how he fits in. Hopefully he can contribute really well. I mean, if he gets us over 10 points a game, yeah. I think that's pretty solid. You know, I, you know, I like before I wasn't being um, facetious at all. I actually was a fan of Thaddeus Young when he was on the 76ers. I just literally had never heard from him. But if I remember, like he was actually a good player eight years ago. I know that sounds really mean to say, but like, I actually mean, I actually did like him eight years ago. So maybe he has something left. I don't really know. I don't watch the Spurs because they're the world's most boring team. So he's just been in like this weird vacuum where he didn't exist for me for the past few years. But maybe, I don't know, maybe he's got something left that, that I'm not seeing. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm hoping too. I think that's what we're all hoping for. And again, if it ends up being a bust, Dragic wasn't playing for us anyways. It is not um, too significant in the grand scheme of things. We didn't lose any of our top six, seven, eight players even. So I I don't consider it that big of a loss, even if it ends up not being a a great move. I think we were maybe overestimating how big of an asset Dragic really is or was. Um, that could be it too. But anyway, sorry. Do yeah. you have anything else to say about it? Oh no, because yeah, I, I think I think the reports are now that he's negotiating a buyout with the Spurs. So yeah, they didn't even want him. It was literally just for the pick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and we'll see. Like, I always trust the Raptors. Um, in the draft, I mean, I really trust them with with anything. Um. The Raptors Republic um, wrap-up pod did an amazing live today on YouTube. Uh, you can catch it. They went off for like an hour and a half. Uh, and I think they talked for uh, an hour straight about this trade. So if anybody listening wants <laughs> to hear more about that trade, like I honestly, I watched it earlier today. I highly, highly uh, recommend it. Nobody told me to say that. It was just genuinely uh, very good. Uh, okay. It is time for a dying segment, but we're keeping it going anyway, called the Hot Girl Summer Nick Nurse Highlight of the Week. Now, there were actually, I, I missed doing our episode last week, so there's actually two, although I've only gotten to one. So Open Gym did an episode on Nick Nurse. I have not mm. seen it. I am looking forward to it. I've just been a busy, busy person. Uh, the other thing that people might not know is that the Arkells, I love how I'm doing this. Nobody cares, but I'm still doing this. I am clinging on. I don't care. The Arkells, you know, Nick's nurses, BFFs and Canadian band from Hamilton, I think uh, they have a podcast now and it's called the best hang podcast. And Nick nurse was a guest on this podcast because he's obsessed with being a celebrity. 
and they they sang cover songs and he plays guitar he plays piano they nerd out about music he even sings you can hear him sing mm. if you want uh so that's an interesting listen if you're a nick nurse diehard i definitely recommend it um again I'm not associated with that podcast. I'm not associated with the Arkells <laughs> in any way, but it's like very, very candid stuff that you don't typically get to see from NBA people. So thought I would share. Vong, do you have a Nick Nurse highlight? Nick or are Nurse you just so mad at him right now because he's playing our guys too many minutes? I am a little bit mad at him for playing our guys too many minutes because I just mm-hmm. feel like, you know, I I get it. We're trying well, to last win. night, when it's like clearly a blowout and it's a back-to-back situation. Oh. <laughs> it was especially like, okay, Nick. <laughs> I, I just feel like with a coach, if your only way to win is to like drive your guys into the ground in the regular season, like it's just... You know, that's like, I'm one of the most anti like Tom Thibodeau people like ever because he just ruins young players careers. And I don't need our own version of Tom Thibodeau. Like what, like, you know, if, if you're a good enough coach, you should be able to win without having three of the top five most minutes players in the entire league. Like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. Or, I mean, or our front office should be doing more to bring in people that can help alleviate those minutes i mean i'm torn on the subject because um on one hand i completely agree with you it is too many minutes and it's not sustainable let's just be real it is not Mm -hmm. long-term sustainable on the flip side there is this part of me that appreciates him holding the bar high and keeping it there Mm-hmm. and looking at the looking down at the bench and being like if you are not at this level you're not getting minutes and i don't know like i i just think it's like it's not yeah. an easy spot to be in and i i see it from both sides like i don't know how long we'll keep going like this i mean now that we're in the sixth seed it's just like okay we're there you know we're not even in the play-in right now like I don't see an end to it, but that isn't good either. So I, I'm with you. I'm weary. I, I, I'm I not a full defender of it, but I understand it. And, you know, hopefully our guys are just young enough that they can handle it right now. They're not complaining about the minutes. I feel yeah. like if Fred felt like he needed a night off, he could say so. And we would give it to him. Like, I don't think we would deny them that. So, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, my worry for these types of teams and these types of coaches is generally what happens is they're the type of teams that overachieve in the regular season and then underachieve in the playoffs because they're basically playing playoff mode for the entire year, mm. you know? And I feel like as you develop, you have to have like that playoff mode. Like you, you can't just play in it all the time. You have to be able to flip it on and off a little bit when it matters. And if you're always in that mode the whole time, I do think it hurts development. And I, I would like to see more development because I, I I feel like some of the people, you know, yeah, I, I get it. Like, uh, you know, some of our bench uh, hasn't been playing up to their potential. 
And this strategy did work with with Chris Boucher. He was benched earlier, and then it sort of snapped him back into reality, and now he's back playing good. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying about holding those high standards because it is forcing people to you know play better to get on the court. But yeah, I I, I just don't want to see what happened to the Chicago Bulls happen to us. I don't right. want to be Thibodeaued. Right. No, I'm with you. I don't want to see that either. And hopefully we're not. I'm hoping this is temporary. But yeah, we we have the same hopes and dreams here, Vong. <laughs> um, Vong, that's been our episode. Thank you so, so much for joining me on this crazy wild day where i had to postpone the recording just so i could read enough articles to Mm. form my opinions because there was so much (laughs) news uh tell us uh what you're up to and where people can find you on the internets um so my social medias are all at are all uh, at Fong Show. Um, that's like Gong Show, but with a V. And uh, upcoming in April, I have a comedy special coming out on Out TV. And then in May, I'm releasing a studio album that was filmed at the CBC um, prior to the pandemic. It's finally coming out, and it is titled Yellow Supremacist. Uh, I absolutely love it. I can't wait to see those. And congratulations. That's so huge. Um, I have also somehow finally recorded my comedy album, which will be out earlier in the spring. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye. <laughs>